Well, I trust you had a, a nice Christmas. Ours was pretty chill. We got up, opened a few presents with Hannah and Jonathan, had lunch, and then watched the Packers win a game. That was awesome. <laughs> so good. Oh, that was so fun. Some of you groaning about that. Did I hear you know, it's hard to believe that Christmas 2021 is behind us. Um, Christmas is a great time. You know, children uh, especially love Christmas. Uh, got before me a few actual letters that were written to Santa Claus. One of them is, Dear Santa Claus, when you come to my house, there will be cookies for you. Uh, but if you're really hungry, you can use my dad's cell phone and order a pizza to go. Dear Santa, I want a puppy, I want a playhouse, thank you. I've been, get, I've been good most of the time, sometimes I'm wild. <laughs> uh, dear Santa, from a four-year-old, uh, I'll take anything because I haven't been that good. <laughs> dear Santa, um, I'm not asking for a lot. Here's my list, two packs of number two pencils, Crayola flat markers, um, and my big gift is my own flat screen TV. Well. Maybe you should drop the pencils. I don't want to really be selfish. <laughs> oh, you got to love it. Kids are great. Well, with Christmas 2021 behind us, uh, some of you may be thinking about 2022. Um, I love your enthusiasm, but maybe you should give it a break. Uh, you know, I encourage you to, you know, uh, take, set aside at least some time to enjoy the moment, enjoy the, 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 the calm, the pause. Sometimes we get so focused on the next uh, set of big events that we fail to enjoy the calm and the journey before us. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to do that in life. Always planning, always focused on the next appointment, the next trip, uh, the next goal, the next stage of life. And in so doing, we miss the value of the journey. My big idea this morning is we, as our walk with Christ will be far more fulfilling and abundant if we are living in the middle of what God is allowing to happen without always focusing on the destination, the achievement, or the goal. It's enjoying the journey without being focused on the destination. Living in the in-between times. Have you ever felt like you're in limbo in your life? One chapter has ended and you're waiting for the next one to begin? I've been there a lot, and today I want to talk about living in the in-between times of life. The picture we have before us is very descriptive. The diver in this picture is uh, in one of those in-between moments, the in-between time, the time between jumping off the cliff and actually hitting the water. Whether we realize it or not, we sure do spend a lot of our time in the in-between times of life. And what are the in-between times of life? As Dr. Ralph West put it, every level of human experience, you will find yourself in the in-between times. Your heart pauses momentarily between beats. The music stops for a second when the musical score indicates a rest. The team sits in the locker room at halftime. It's a pause before the football is hiked, and you're in all in, your <clears throat> all in one of those in-between times. Some of the in-between times are full of anxiety, it can be full of unrest and uncertainty. Others are just rather exciting. <clears throat> and that's what life is. It's a series of events linking the past and the future. And most are mundane happenings, but others are very special and they're dramatic in their nature. And sometimes those in-between times can come and they can last longer than just a brief moment. 
An engagement ring is accepted, and then the couple lives the next few months planning for the wedding. A baby is conceived, and the expected nine months is an in-between time. The acceptance letters from a, a university is received in the spring, but school doesn't start until fall. We lost a loved one, and we feel like time needs to stop. But it keeps going, and we find ourselves in no man's land, waiting for the strength and the power and the will to press on the in-between times. The prognosis from the doctor is not good, and the biopsy is taken when the biopsy is taken, and it'll be a week before the results are in. You know, the in-between times. And could it be that's where you are right now? You find yourself in kind of a pause, in kind of a transition, in kind of an in-between time. You've gone from one event, and you're kind of waiting for something to start, and you're not really sure what it is, but you just find yourself in limbo. Um, for some, you sense that God is doing something, you're just not sure what it is. And so you find yourself waiting in this in-between time. You may not understand all that God is doing in these transition times, but there's something that we need to know, and that is this, that God is in control and that we need to trust him. <clears throat> we need to live our life as a... <clears throat> living our life as a Christian can go something like this. God gives us a vision. Yeah, he gives us a plan. He gives us a purpose and a calling for our life, but he doesn't give us all the details or a timeline. And sometimes God withholds the details so that we learn to trust him along the way. During this journey of faith, we've been called to walk upon. Sometimes we miss out on what God has to offer because we mistakenly believe that life happens when we reach our goals or we fulfill our purpose in life. And we miss the journey. And what we fail to understand is that life is what happens in the in-betweens. In between now and then, it is using the, it is, God is using the journey to accomplish his purposes in our life. And the journey is as important as the destination. Our life is a series of in-between times. It is. And uh, everyone in this room has a story. What has happened in your life to bring you to where you, you are today? I love hearing people's story. When I talk to people, I say, tell me your story. They don't have to explain that. They just start right in. This is what happened. This is where I've come from. This is who I am. This is what's going on. Every one of those stories contain in-between times. And the Bible is a series of stories as well, which contains plenty of in-between times. Noah, in the, the between times, was the building of his ark. And for, uh, think of Abraham and Sarah, their in-between time came as they waited for the son of promise. How about Joseph? The in-between time happened the many years he sat in prison after being falsely accused of molesting Potiphar's wife. Moses, the in-between time for him lasted 40 years. It was as he was in the wilderness caring for sheep. Micah told, foretold the coming of the Messiah that he would be born in Bethlehem. So Israel waited for one of those in-between times. The Bible stories provide us a perspective perspective that we don't always have in our personal, personal life. In the Bible stories we can read, we can read the beginning, we can read the in-between time, and we can read the ending. And we see it all working out. But in our personal life, we don't have the same advantage, do we? You know, we plod, we plod along, trying to make sense of what's happening and where God has us. The stories in the Bible are really struggles of people um, 
of people of God trying to trust God, trying to make sense of what God is doing, and we all face these struggles. So we are certainly able to identify with these Bible characters and their struggles. The in-between times of life create a kind of uh, tension, if you would. The, our first reaction, the tension, is to eliminate it, <laughs> to get rid of it, to, to resolve it quickly. And my friends, tension is good. Tension is good. Tension is essential to growth. It's, it develops us. And through this dynamic tension and opposition, God refines us. And we learn to trust. And our character is developed. Weight, in weightlifter tra weightlifting training, you need to create micro tears in your muscles, which eventually lead to greater muscle mass. And you have to break down the muscle in order to build it back up stronger. That's what happens in the weightlifting world. But the tension and struggles in life, um, God is using them to break down our spiritual muscles, if you would, develop a greater dependence on him. And the in-between times in the Bible and our personal life create a tension. And like it or not, this tension produces spiritual growth. Uh, and it's hard to get around that. You know, sometimes we'd love to grow spiritually, um, but what I've found in my personal life is most of the spiritual growth that comes in my life comes during hardships and difficulties and, and struggles and, and just not being able to understand and the, the trusting that you have to do and the prayer life just kind of ramps up. In the Bible story before us today, we find a group of people who all share the same in-between time. In Jeremiah 21, if you haven't already turned there, if you would, that'd be great. We find God's people taking, being taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And we, what, what we learn in this story is how to make the best use of the in-between times. In the way of background, the people of Israel, the Jews, had been living in the Promised Land. And the Promised Land was a wonderful place given to Israel by God. But because of their consistent and ongoing disobedience to God, Israel was punished by God, and the Babylonians were allowed to take them into exile. And, like, and most likely, these Jews thought that they would get to Babylon, you know, they would repent of their sins, God would restore them back to Jerusalem, and everything would be just fine. Well, that didn't happen that way. They were scheduled to be there for 70 years. And in the midst of this captivity, God spent, sent a prophet named Jeremiah, and Jeremiah told him, this is what God says, you're going to be here a while. You're going to be here a while. And you may think that you're going home soon, but that isn't going to happen. And he didn't use these words, but he basically said, this is your new normal. This is your in-between time. And instead of running out the clock to go home, you need to settle in. You need to settle into this new set of circumstances, your new normal, and serve me where you are just right now. And there are four principles I'd like to go over this morning that I think we do well to kind of apply to our life when we find ourselves in one of those in-between times. First of all is settle in. Settle in. After the Jews were taken into exile in Babylon, God told them to settle in. Jeremiah 25 or 29.5 says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, uh, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Now that sure sounds like a long-term arrangement to me, doesn't it? They are obviously not heading home uh, anytime soon, so he's told them to plant gardens. You know, get a house, have kids, encourage your kids to have kids. Uh, this is, you're going to be here a while. Settle down and blossom where God has 
has planted you. And like the people of Israel, we may look at the in-between times as like an interruption in our life. Many are living in the middle of God's in-between times, and they choose to never, never, ever plant themselves uh, or settle in, and they never accept their circumstances. They're always looking for a way out or a way to get back to the way it was. And for so many, God has placed you here, but you want to be here. And you don't accept here, but because you want to be here. And we need to accept where God has placed us and do what we can do during that period of time. My friends, don't always view the pauses and the downtimes in life as a bad thing. Settle in, make the most of the situation. A lot of times when we go on a trip, and I've been guilty of this, you know, you've got a destination. You go from point A to point B, I'm gonna get there, I'm gonna drive, I'm gonna drive through the night, I'm just gonna do this. And you just miss the, the beauty of the, of the journey. We, we just kind of miss out on so much. My friends, a journey is as important as a destination. And may, many make a conscious decision that they're just not going to do anything during those pauses, those transitions, those in-between times, and they just wait. And they say, well, I'm only passing through. This is only a short-time thing. And as Christ followers, we need to accept that God has us where we are, we need to settle down, we need to serve him right where we are, right here, right now. Not, not only does God expect us to settle in, but he expects us to make the most of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. In verse 5, God told them, plant gardens, build a house, have kids. In verse 7, God took it a step further. He told the Jews to pray that the city of their captivity would prosper. Imagine that. You just got took, taken to prison and you're supposed to pray for your captors, you know, the people that, take you, that took you into captivity. Pray for them. Pray that they prosper. We see in verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you will prosper. And God told them, pray for your enemies. Pray for peace. Pray that they prosper. It's, isn't that just like God to do that? He's always raising the bar, isn't he? You know, we're going to settle for this, but he's got this in mind. And I'm sure the general attitude of the Jews towards the Babylonians was one of disdain and hatred. Tolerance was the best that they could come up with. And God just raises the bar on them and says, no. God steps in and says, no, pray for your enemies. Pray that they prosper. Don't just tolerate them. Love them. And what, God, uh, what did God say would be the results? You too will be prosper. You too will prosper. So we sometimes get things all backwards. We treat those who have wronged us with disdain, and we think we're better off for it. Well, God has a clear message for us in Luke chapter 6, verse 35 and 36. He says, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you and your sons, you will be this, uh, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to, ungrate, ungrate, uh, for he is kind to the ungrateful, and the evil be merciful, even as your father is merciful. And so when we find ourselves in the in-between times in life, first of all, settle in. Don't always be looking for a change and make the best of the circumstances that you find yourself in. And watch out for critics. That's the third one. Watch out for the critics and the false teachers. Life is full of critics. We all know them. Uh, and false teachers. There's something about being in one of those in-between times that just makes you vulnerable uh, to be lied to, to be criticized. 
And there are those in our life who will criticize us as much, you know, for the things that we do. And all we're doing is trying to follow God's plan. All we're trying to do is, is live life and do the best that we know how. In verses 8 and 9, we see a group of false prophets who are trying to sell the Jews a bag of lies. Verse 8 says, For thus the Lord is a host, of the God of Israel. Do not let your prophets or your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that, that they are prophesying for you in, in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So what is God's message to them? Look at verse 8. Don't let them deceive you. Verse 9, they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. I they're not from me. So what is it that they were saying? Well, they were giving the Jews this false impression that they would be freed from the Babylonians and would be going back to Jerusalem soon. Well, that wasn't true. And the sad thing about this, these prophets were people among their assembly. They were, they were people among their church. They were family members. These false prophets were telling lives and giving false information just to cause division. I'm sure they thought that they were right, but it was causing so much division and misunderstanding within the body at that time, within the, the Jewish nation. And they were negative people who were looking at all the changes that God was allowing as something wrong, something evil, something that they have a better plan for, and how they needed to reject these changes and return to what they had started from, you know, instead of embracing what God had done for them, where God had put them. Critics, you know, critics. <laughs> they are the people who look at the circumstances in life and conclude that someone is doing something wrong. These are the people who always have opinion and think they always have a better way. And they pass on false information. They pass on a false testimony. They are negative. And they say they represent God, but they don't represent God. They are freelancing and just spreading discord. Watch out for the critics. You know, watch out for the false teachers. And the fourth area for excelling in the in-between time of life is keep watching. Keep watching. God has plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen. I will listen to you. Many read this verse, and I have done the same, and want to talk about God's plans for them, but few want to take it within its context. It's important, the context here. When we look at this verse in its context, it's so important. It just sheds a whole different light on this passage. These people were in exile. They were prisoners. They didn't get to do what they wanted to do or when they wanted to do it. They were under house arrest. This is the context for this verse. But it, the reality is they were right in the middle where God had planted them. They were where God wanted them. They were in one of God's in-between times, and God was as much there as anywhere else. And right in the middle of all of this, God says, I have plans to prosper you. I have plans for your life. <laughs> You're in captivity, but I have plans for you, great plans for you. Prosper right where you are. And part of the hope and future was their descendants would make it back to the promised land. But don't lose sight of the fact that God wanted to bless them right where they were at, right in Babylon. God wants to bless us right where we are. You may be thinking, well, when I graduate, then God will, you know, be able to fulfill his plan for my life. Or you might be thinking, when I get married and have kids, then, then God can bless me. God has plans to bless you right where you are, right here and right now. 
It involves the time in school, the time you are single and waiting to be married, the time you are looking for work, the time you are dealing with sickness, the time you are dealing with death, the time you are dealing with kids um, leaving home, your early years, your middle years, your late years. There are all kinds of in-between times, and God has a plan for your life, at, for every stage of life. And frankly, some of you are going through some pretty, pretty difficult uh, and challenging times right now, and the thought of settling in and planting yourself where you are right now is, really, is rather challenging and almost overwhelming. My friends, if we don't settle in, you know, what is the alternative? Resisting God's plan, fighting his circumstances, being mad at God, and you may not be able to identify your in-between time because of the pain that you feel right now. It's blurring your vision, but hang in there. God will bring it into focus uh, in his time and in his way. The in-between times are as much of God's plan as anything else. So many of us um, have said, and I've done this, I've said as soon as, uh, as soon as, and you can fill in the blank, as soon as something happens, as soon as I get out of college, I have time for God. As soon as I get a better job, I can start tithing. Uh, as soon as I, the kids are older, I can start serving God and using my gifts in the church. And some look at God's plan as something that will happen some other time and some other place, something that's kind of out there. But it's right now. It's today. It's tomorrow. It's, it's the next week. It's not five years, ten years from now. We need to be watching and listening because God reveals his plan step by step, day by day, and sometimes hour by hour. And it's okay to have dreams. It's okay to think ahead and process. But looking ahead, as you look ahead, don't miss today. When you think you're right smack, when you are right smack in the middle of God's will, you will experience prosperity. And it may be a difficult time. It may be a difficult experience that you're in, but you are in the smack dab in the middle of what God is doing. And that's called prosperity. And it may not seem like it, but that is what it is. And because you cannot place a price on peace and contentment, peace and contentment comes when we are where God has placed us. That's it. And it doesn't mean it will be easy but it'll always be right. Let me ask you something today. Are you living in your in-between time of life or in-between times? Have you set your sight or have you set your sight on some goal out there and just not settling in? Is that where you are right now? I want to close this uh, sermon with a, sur a story from the Bible. If you want to turn to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis 37, I want to talk about Joseph for a while. Very interesting story. The background behind this is Jacob had sent Joseph to check up on his brothers. And in this passage before us, we actually find him wandering around in a field. <laughs> Seemed completely out of place, but let me read for you that passage. We're looking at Genesis chapter 37, verses 12 to 28. Now his brothers went to pasture their flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he, said to, and he said to him, I'm here. And so he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him to the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in a field, and the man asked him, what are you seeking? Well, I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, they've gone away, for I've heard them. They said, let's go to Dotham. And so Joseph went up after his brothers and found them at Dotham. 
Well, that's an interesting story, isn't it? Look at verse 15. I mean, it's, uh, it really seems almost out of place, doesn't it? When you think about it, think, first of all, why is Joseph wandering around a field somewhere? And second, why does God feel it important enough to record it in his scripture? Now, we need to realize that every detail in the story, every detail in the Bible is there for a purpose. God, God doesn't just say things to fill the pages of scripture. Everything's there for a purpose. And so what is the purpose of telling us that Joseph was wandering around in a field? The purpose is to teach us something about God, namely that he's sovereign and he's all-knowing and all-wise and he has a purpose for everything in our life. And it may appear like we are spinning our wheels at time or just wandering around a field sometime but looking and looking for direction, but take faith in the fact that God has a purpose even for the in-between times, even the times when we might find ourselves wandering around in a field. Wandering around in a field may appear to us like a meaningless time, you know, just a waste of time. But in the case of Joseph, it had to take place in order for, he had to, um, if he hadn't taken time wandering around the field, he would have arrived in Dotham too early. And you might be saying, well, what does that have to do with it? Well, let's move on and we'll see. You might ask, why is it important that he arrived in Dotham when he did? Look at verse 18. And so Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. And then he, and, but when he saw him in the distance, but when they saw him in the distance, they, they, um, before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured them. But then, he, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. He said, well, let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed, any, don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said, Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. And so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing, um, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. And the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. And their camels were loaded with spices and balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them to Egypt. And Judah said to the brothers, What will it gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. So when the Midianites merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Interesting, isn't it? See, God knew that a caravan of Ishmaelites would be coming along in that area at a certain time, at a very specific time. And God wanted Joseph to be in Egypt so he could carry out a bigger plan for the nation of Israel. So he had timed Joseph's arrival in Dothan to coincide with him being sold into slavery, slavery instead of being killed by his brothers. Do you see that? Had he come earlier, they might have just killed him. But, you know, they were eating their meal, and they were kind of thinking through everything, and and they're kind of like, oh, here comes a caravan of Ishmaelites, so why don't we just sell Joseph? You see that God had to preserve Joseph's life so that he could go to Egypt, and then the story unfolds from there. Joseph arrived in, in Dotham at just the right time, so that wandering around in the field was essential to God's master plan. It really was. And so have you ever wondered why some things happen, why they appear like a, sometimes they appear like a waste of time, a waste of resources, 
chances are God has a much bigger picture. Sometimes we see life as like a dark tunnel that we enter and we just don't know, we don't know where we're going. We don't know if we're in the middle of the tunnel or where we're at in this tunnel, but sometimes it just feels like we're in the middle of this long tunnel and we're not sure where we're headed. I'm guessing that sums up how a lot of you or some of you feel today. My friends, there will be times in the Christian life that appear like it's a total waste of time. You're going to look at it and you're going to say, this doesn't make sense. Why am I doing this? Why am I in this stage of life? Why am I going through this? It just feels like we're wandering around some kind of a field. And you may be in one of those chapters right now, and you sense God is leading you to do something, but everything seems to be on hold. And you're in the middle of this holding pad and waiting for flight control to clear you for landing. When I think of the in-between times, I think of some of the situations in my life uh, those t- times of limbo when nothing seemed to make sense. Uh, when I was church, church planning in Wisconsin, one just tell you just a few op- things that just clearly to me were, were in between times. We were looking to plant a church in Monroe, and, and uh, we were in a rental, and, and the rental had been rented out underneath or sold out from underneath us, and we were just in this, this kind of this holding pattern like, God, what? And we were there for about a year, and, and we were like, God, where, where are we going to live, and what are we going to do? And there was this house that was for sale, had been sale, for sale for a year. Um, well, it, had, it hadn't been sale for a year, but somebody had to die before that house went on the market. And so during that period of waiting while we were trying to figure out where our housing was, the person that lived there was an older gentleman in his 90s, and he'd passed away. But that house wasn't available before that period of time because he was living there. And we look at that and say, God's timing was so perfect that he allowed us to have this rental, be where we were, but someone needed to die in that home in order for it to be available for us to live in it. That, to me, was such a clear indication of God just working out the details, and it's such a big story. I love to tell it sometimes. Another is that we were ministering in Belding, Michigan, and when we got there, we just knew we needed to do something, but nothing was coming, nothing was coming up. And so, okay, I'm here, I need to, we need to live somewhere. So I built a house over a period of nine months, and we're like, okay, the house was built, we were, we were in it. And like, okay, God, now what? Um, and just a month or so after that, the pastor of a local church resigned uh, just abruptly on a Sunday morning, and the church was without a pastor, and I knew some of the people in the church, and they contacted me and said, would you fill the pulpit uh, for a while? And I did that, and after about two months of doing that, they said they called me as their pastor. And so that year time when I'm just building a house, I kind of felt like Moses in the middle of nowhere. What, God, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. I came here to what I thought was a pastor, a church, be part of a church, but it just appears like all I'm doing now is just wandering around a field building a house. But God had a plan, and he knew that that year, those months had to pass before this pastor would resign and this church would be in this need, and I could fulfill uh, a need for that church. And we were at that church for uh, approximately five years. And so... Um, another one was uh, after being at this church, the same church in Belding, um, it, was a, it was a smaller church and kind of struggling financially, and so we were working on different jobs and trying to make ends meet, and it just came to a point where 
financially, we just couldn't, we couldn't live there anymore. We were taking out home equity loans on our house and trying to just make it. And the church was making a turn, but it just came at a, you know, way too late. And, and we were kind of in a bad spot. And we were just praying, God, what do, you, what do you want us to do? And about a year before that all came to a head, I sensed God leading us to something else. We didn't know what it was, but it just felt in my spirit that God was going to move us out of this ministry somewhere else. We didn't know where it was. And a year later, after we had gotten to this place, this, the, you know, kind of the end of the road, God just opened up a ministry in Wisconsin where we, we ended up serving. But God used a, a year from the time when he actually kind of gave me that vision, that direction where it actually came to pass. And that was a tough in-between time. That was a tough period of just waiting on God where you sense that God is doing something, but you're just not sure what it is and how it's going to play out and how all the details. And, but God just all worked it out. Even, even coming to, you know, to UBC, Eustick um, Baptist Church, you know, that was all part of God's plan. I mean, I was out of ministry for five years because of my wife's health and, and just doing my own handyman business and just felt like, okay, this doesn't make sense, but let's go to Eustick Baptist Church. And my wife can take on a role as a children's ministry director. And, and, but for me, it just felt like, okay, another in-between times. I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Um, yeah, I can set toilets and hang drywall and do all those things, but it just seemed like there's something else that God may have in store for me. And then the position opened up, you know, back in um, April of this year. And God just kind of used that whole period of time to just kind of bring me to a place where I needed to be. There's things I needed to learn. I wasn't ready to get back into the church. Uh, I needed that five years because the last ministry was really, really painful. And I just would, I couldn't have gone back into another ministry. It just wouldn't have worked for me or for the church that I went to. So I needed time. I needed a gap. I needed time to just heal. And God used that. He used that five years to just kind of prepare me, and I, I would help prepare you. And, and the, you know, with your pastor stepping down and, and just all the dynamics of where we are as a church right now. You know, me, I'm serving as an interim, and God is just using that. And we're preparing for a pastor coming. But you may find yourself today in God's waiting room, and you may be in one of those chapters um, that has ended, and you just kind of set your sights on something else out there. I can assure you that God has plans, and his will, according to Math or Romans 12, too, is good, it's pleasing, and it is perfect. And I, I can encourage you to trust God. To just, I encourage you to just trust God in the moments of life, the pauses, the in-between times, the transitions, and just trust him that he's got a plan. He does have a plan. It can be frustrating at times when we desire to follow God's will, but we're just not sure what it is, and so we find ourselves waiting. In those moments, we just need to trust that he'll lead us and direct our path. Um, we need to trust him for that. And, you know, sometimes we put our trust in our ability to be able to figure it out, you know. We want to figure it out. But God doesn't say trust that you're going to figure it out. He says trust me that I've promised to give you direction. I promise to lead you. I promise to make your path straight. I promise that if you will look to me, I will, I will give you a path to walk on. And sometimes we don't trust in that. We trust so much in our ability to try to figure it out. And I can't figure it out. Neither can you. 
So Angie, has come, Angie and I have come up with some yearly themes to live by. You're, you're, this year, um, it's been embracing mystery. There's a lot of mystery in our life. That's our theme for 2021. 2022 is embracing serenity. You know, it's serenity. It's, it's a calm. It's a trust. It's a peaceful, untroubled position. And the prayer of serenity, I think, is so God, good. Is that God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't, change the things I can, uh, or courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So as we close out this service today, as a church, it may feel like we're in one of God's waiting rooms. We're in God's in-between times. Our beloved and long-term pastor has retired back in January. And now we find ourselves waiting for the next pastor to arrive. And if your focus has been on the next pastor starting, then I think we've missed something. I think you've missed something. Is that God has taken this church through an amazing and sometimes very painful set of circumstances over this year. This is the eighth church I've served in. And I am seeing things, I'm seeing God do things in this body and within this body that are just absolutely amazing. God is doing a great work here. You just have to know it from someone coming in from the outside just watching. And we just find ourselves on the sidelines at times just saying, wow, wow, you did that, God? Wow, how did you work that out? You know, we just, I don't know about you, but I'm just in awe how God is just working out so many things. And God has taken this church through some an amazing and, like I said, painful things. God is doing some incredible things at Eustick Baptist Church. And we find ourselves at times, again, just waiting and watching and trying to figure out what God's doing, but it's just happening. And as, uh, and as hard as it is, you all try to, you know, as hard as it has been to try to get a pastor sooner, it just hasn't been the right time. Things needed to happen. People needed to join us. Attitudes needed to change. Some things needed to be adjusted. Trust and dependence on God needed to be developed. Relationships needed to be mended. Time just needed to pass. And it's all about what God is doing. It is living in God's in-between time as a church family. It's about living in the moment and not missing what God is doing here. Don't miss it. It's something very special. It really is. I got to tell you, it's something special. God is doing a work here, and I believe that God has great plans for you, and I think he has great plans for Eustick Baptist Church. And they can come during the most confusing and difficult and painful times, and I believe God wants us as a church to make an impact on this area. We have a great resource. We have a wonderful building. We have you people are so gracious, so generous, so loving. This is the, God has just set the stage for just outreach for reaching out to not only each other, but to the world out there. And I sense God is assembling a team of players to just carry it out. And I believe God is building and develop a core of Christian followers, Christ followers, who are committed to do whatever God leads us to do to reach people for Jesus. And you're part of that. So together might we embrace the mystery of what God is doing here, and at the same time embrace serenity as we accept and celebrate what God is doing. Let's close in prayer. Gracious Father, thank you for this time that we have, and we just embrace what you're doing. We thank you um, for your work here in, in, this, in our midst. We're not worthy, but you're doing it, and you're just doing it in your time and your way, and we thank you for that. Might we be receptive, receptive to your plan, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.